Hello, this is Jennifer Martin with Heart Centered Healing, um, bringing some heart centered conversations to you. Um, and this episode, I have Gina Pollard on, and she is a grief coach, and she is amazing. Um, so I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. I'm so excited you're here. Like, Sit down, get some tea or coffee and sit back and just listen. And you know what? Examine, look at, ask, feel, just notice, notice what's happening um, and drop me a question or a comment after. And I would love to hear from you. Share this podcast with everyone you know, and we'll see you on the other side. Forward. All right, we are recording. Yay. Welcome to Heart Centered Conversations um, with Soul Ride and Jennifer. Most people know me, but I want to introduce you guys to Gina. Um, Gina and I go way, not way back. But two or three years. Two or, is it? Oh, yeah, it's been I at least you, two or three years. Time flies. Yeah, and, it does. Um, so I'm going to let you share about what you do, and then I'm going to tell about how we kind of came together. Okay. Okay. Gina. So I am Gina Pollard. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and I am a certified grief recovery specialist as well as a certified trauma support specialist. Nice. And in my private practice, I get to work with people who are dealing with loss. Uh, and so when we talk about grief, we're not just talking about um, death of somebody. We're talking about over 43 different kinds of losses. And what we say is that um, grief is the normal and natural response to change. Like so that, that includes divorce or moving or financial changes, estrangements, being an empty nester, um, any one of a, a whole bunch of things. Um, and a lot of times those involve trauma. So I'm certified to do that as well. It came out of my um, work a few years ago with dealing with survivors of um, abuse. So sexual, physical, emotional um, abuse. And I realized that underlying everything really was grief. And so I've been doing this work now for seven, eight years. Wow. Yeah. I was so going to ask you how you got into it. Yeah. But yeah. that's, so were you a, um, so when you were working with people dealing with abuse, were you um, an advocate or a, were you a life coach for? No, for kind of um, actually I left the corporate world <laughs> to, to come and do this, which is why if you look girl. at my background, it's really weird. Yeah. I was telling somebody the other day, my undergraduate degree is in criminal justice and they went, but uh, I don't understand. I was like, yeah, I know. Nobody understands. Um, no, it was through a ministry at the church that I was going to, th going to at the time. And I don't use their curriculum anymore because it's really conservative. Mm -hmm. um, and sin and shame based. And uh, that's not who I am. I don't do yeah. that. 
Um, but it helped me to understand. It was like the next step to help me to actually do my own healing coming out of a lot of sexual abuse and a domestic violence relationship and all of that. And so, you know, one step always leads to the other. Yeah. And in our next step always comes from like the shit that we've gone through, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Nothing now, gets wasted. Yeah. Nothing gets wasted. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Even when, when you're like in the midst of like the deepest shit, like uh -huh. even that's not wasted. No, it's not. It's not. I love that. Yeah. Say again what you said before about um, grief and change. Oh, grief is the normal and natural response to change. That's a, that is such a freeing statement, mm -hmm. I feel like. So, um, okay, so Gina and I met a couple, maybe three years ago, two years ago, three, for yeah. sure, maybe three. And I'm, you know, I'll be really vulnerable with how we met. Um, I was really, really struggling and I was um, struggling with the change in a relationship, like basically the change with everything that's happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been, it's been two because I, I remember this because, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you here in a second, but um, I was really struggling. I was really depressed. I was really sad. And I reached out to my friend, Stephanie, who also lives in Arizona with you in Phoenix. You guys live in the same town? We do. Okay, we do. so I've known Gina. <laughs> yeah, I've known um, Stephanie since my, you know, 2010 at least in mm -hmm. our holy yoga days. And I remember just struggling so terribly, like the lowest that I could have felt at that time and just had no, I didn't know how to get out of it. And I just sent her a message and I was like, I need help. Like I need help really bad right now. So, and I, I knew that she, her and I are like like-minded. So I knew <laughs> that if she knew anyone, <laughs> she would know a person that I could work with that is like-minded with me. And so she sent me your name and then we worked together and it was so healing for me. It was oh, like just balm on my soul. Oh. Um, and I didn't realize, you know, that I was struggling with grief. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't realize that that's what it was. Like mm -hmm. I was angry. I was sad. And it was because I had a big um, change. Mainly it was my, my, the change that I had with my dad. Right. And um, you know, he's still alive. Thank God. Okay. Um, uh -huh. Yes, he is. He's still alive. So, so in that sense, it was really hard to kind of see what I was going through as grief because most of the times when people are like, I'm grieving or I need help. I need somebody to help me with grief. We usually think that it's grief because someone has passed. Right. And right. so, um, you know, we just don't always for all the other things in our life that change brings us to the state of grief. You know, we don't, lots of times I find that people don't know how to deal with those things. Right. Yeah. You know, even when I um, talk to people who are survivors of childhood sexual abuse, uh -huh. or childhood physical abuse, whatever happens in childhood. When we're little, our parents really are God to us. And we rely on them to keep us safe and to take care of our needs. What happens though in situations of abuse is that parents aren't always safe. And they don't always attend to our emotional needs either. 
And then when they're overtly abusive, what happens for us is we then begin to understand that the world is not safe. Yeah. And that's a grief. That's a loss of feeling safe and secure uh, in the arms of the people that are supposed to protect you. So grief really can go back a really long way. Yeah. And do you find that people who have maybe those things in their past and then have all of these other different big changes that happen, that that mm -hmm. grief gets compounded upon? Absolutely. Grief is absolutely cumulative. So when you have one thing happen and then the next thing happens and then the next thing, they all add up, especially if you've not done the work in the meantime to process through and complete those losses. So it's interesting. Sometimes people will say, I have had all of this crap happen to me in my life. And then this one seemingly little thing happens and it throws me over the edge. And it's, it is because if you've not dealt with a lot of other stuff, then it does, um, accumulate until it's the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. So I guess in that sense, I, you could probably go through grief coaching for, and not for anything. And I could, you know, come to you and say, I need you to, to work with me because I know that there's all of this shit that I have in my past. Right. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it look like to work with you? Um, what does it, what does grief coaching, you call it grief coaching or grief? Uh, yeah, grief coaching, grief counseling. Grief yeah. counseling. What does yeah. that look like? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I do it a couple of different ways and I've really sort of changed since um, you and I started working yeah. together. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of it involves, so people will call me and say, I'm just feeling discombobulated and I don't know what to do. And I'm, and I've got all of these things that have happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so then, um, they come in, I do a 15 minute free consult to determine whether it's going to be a good personality fit or not. But then when they come in, it's really about, um, doing an intake. So I want to know what brings you here. I want to know what it was like for you. What's, what's happened in your life. You know, give me a sense of what it was like growing up in your family. Give me a sense of how happy you are right now. Um, I want to know, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> I want to know um, what areas of your life are most problematic for you. Uh, and I also want to know what your hope is for life to look good for you. Mm. Because oftentimes what happens is we internalize this nothing good is ever going to happen to me. And we get stuck in a shame spiral too. Yeah. Um, because of all the things that have happened, uh, especially when we're talking about sexual trauma. Yeah. Um, I let people know I'm not a licensed therapist. Um, I have a lot of graduate level counseling work as well as the certifications that I have. Mm -hmm. So if somebody, um, and I, I remind people all the time, if I think that I can't help you, then I will, I will um, refer you out. Yeah. Um, and uh, oftentimes people come to me though and they'll say, I've been through traditional therapy and that's not what I need. I need somebody to listen to me and to understand. So then we'll, um, we have a process where we want to look at all of the losses that you've had. Yeah, that's hard. I remember the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like for you, Jennifer, to look at all of this? 
Um, yeah, I'm going to cry right now. Um, it was eye-opening, first of all, mm-hmm. because we did it in a graph. I remember right. we did it in a graph. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, because I'm coming to you with these things that I'm like, I'm dealing with this, Gina. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> And you're like, let's make a graph of everything. And I was uh-huh. like, shit, like yes. and putting it on paper and really looking at these losses um, yeah. was really like, it was like, shit. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I remember that um, in the time that I came to you, I, in like, you know, a really short amount of time, I had loss after loss after loss after loss after loss, like right, boom, 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 boom. But, but again, like looking at it in the whole, my entire life, like it was like really eye opening to see that, um, how have I managed this, you know? And it's kind of like you said, like, you know, I think what happened with me was like everything just boom, boom, boom. And then it was like, done. Like, I can't do this anymore. And so here's the thing. What we're taught to do is how to accumulate things in life, especially in the Western society. We're taught how to get things. I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to get a new lover. I'm going to get a new this, a new that. But we're not taught how to lose things Mm. and how to process loss. Wow. Right. Yeah. Because people say things to us like, um, be strong, keep busy, um, anything that they can to keep you from feeling. So we do things like keep busy, we overeat, we overdrink, we, we do all sorts of things to avoid pain. Right. And even when people say non-helpful, oh, I edited that really good because I had some other words for the way that they say things to us. Um, <laughs> Even when they say non-helpful things to us, it's because they're uncomfortable with our discomfort and they want to make us stop crying or being sad. Right. So what we know is that um, relationships and losses, when when those are gone or they shift, Mm -hmm. uh, what we know is that we've not been able to complete it because you know, like I do, that when something's over, it's like, oh, I wish I had said this and I wish I had said that, Um, whether it is anticipated or not. So even if somebody's dying and you're being with them, you know, toward the end of their life, there's still those things. And so we look at the three things, the three components of grief recovery are the things you need to apologize for or want to apologize for. the things you need to forgive or be willing to forgive or try to forgive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that conversation? Yes. Um, and then all of those um, uh, significant emotional statements, like you always made me feel so secure uh-huh. or I just really miss you. Yeah. Those things. Cause we don't get a chance to actually say those out loud. And I know that that can be really hard for people to put those all together. So we have a series of steps to go through to be able to do that. Yeah. So that you can complete the loss. That's completing the end of the cycle or the end of the relationship. 
What do you say to people who are, don't want to complete that cycle? Um, and there are a lot of people. So oftentimes what happens is, um, first of all, I tell them that um, time is going to go by either way and you uh -huh. can either clear the decks of the grief and, and find some change in your life or you can stay stuck with where you are, in which yeah. case the pain will always be with you. Yeah. You know? Because, you know, and just trying to like weed this out, when you're grieving something, completing the loss or completing, yeah, completing that loss doesn't mean that you no longer feel that loss. Right, right, right. The, yeah. the, the goal is to be able to help you to hold on to more pleasant memories and release the pain. Because at the end of the process, that's what you're saying is, I have to let go of the pain now. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I call it soul surgery. Um, because in a way, what you're doing is getting rid of the, the core infection or the core pain. Mm -hmm. And even afterwards, there will be scar tissue and that area may, will still be sensitive, but it won't be as acutely painful as it was. Yeah. I can definitely um, experience, have that experience because mm -hmm. I remember when I did come to you, I couldn't even talk about my dad without crying. Uh -huh. And I couldn't even talk to my dad. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh -huh. I remember I hadn't seen him for like a year. And uh -huh. Like after we had worked together, I actually took a trip and there was so many things. I mean, it was, it was so healing just on a bigger scale than just with my dad it was with my mom and my, you know, my siblings and yeah. like this overall, um, abandonment that I had been feeling mm -hmm. with my mom and then like felt complete you know, uh, a covering when it happened with my dad. And so sure. there was, it was almost like d completing the loss with my dad helped me to move through a, a, a healing process with everybody else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it's you know? kind of like when you get um, a toothache um, and your whole body feels that toothache. Yes. But the real thing is that you need to get that tooth fixed. And then once the tooth is fixed, the rest of your body starts feeling better. Yeah. It really is like that when we talk yeah. about systems, you know, um, in families that they're, they're all connected and everybody has their own role. And then it's a matter of, okay, so if, if we fix part of the system, then perhaps the rest of it can get better. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever yeah. have families that come and, and do coaching with you or do um, you just I don't normally do families I really don't um for me it's it's yeah it's just my style there are people out there who do families yeah um I have had people who have brought in a particular sibling or their um their partner mm -hmm. spouse mm -hmm. um for us to have conversations but normally I don't I, I work with one person at a yeah. time yeah 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 it's just, that's, that's just what works for me to yeah. be able to do that. Um, it's not unusual for me to see, um, groups of friends individually. It's, it's kind oh, of an interesting thing. And again, it's highly confidential. So 
um, if somebody gets referred to me, nobody knows whether that person and I are seeing each other or not, you know, yeah. because it's nobody else's business and it's their story to tell. I'm like, if you want to tell that story, that's great, but I'm not going to. And it can be kind of an interesting thing to hear both sides of the conversation about why there's conflict, mm -hmm. you know, and my yeah. job is just to hear each person exactly where they are. Yeah. So then yeah. after we did our grief um, or the losses graph, what, well, what, uh, what's the next step? So then the next step is to actually do um, a graph with just the relationship or <laughs> just the loss that we're working on. And it's really important to look at the highs and the lows. So the loss history graph really is dealing with the low points, the losses. But in relationships, we want to make sure that we don't um, enshrine somebody so they were like the perfect person and we don't bedevil them, that there was no good in them at all because all relationships have good and bad. Yeah. Um, but it's really a chronological list of, uh, or graph of, the events that happened in that relationship. Yeah. So it's a big graph when you start and then you choose the person that you need to really um, complete that loss. And then it's right. the same thing. It's just uh -huh. with that person. And it's, and it includes positives and negatives. So when I did my certification um, or when I did the one with my ex, um, there were good things. There was like a Thanksgiving that was like the perfect holiday. Yeah. You know, um, and despite all of his flaws, he made great coffee in the morning, <laughs> you know? So it's just like, okay, there are some good things and there are some not so great things, but let's yeah. look at it realistically. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever have people who start this process with you and then they're just like, no, not going there. Um, I haven't had anybody do that in a number of years now. That's awesome. Yeah. What really happens now um, is that people will work through one loss and they're like, okay, that was helpful with this one. So now can you help me deal with this other loss? Uh, and so I see people um, oftentimes for more than one loss. Yeah. I also see people because I do life transition coaching um, and we work through the losses. And then the, the thing that we have to do is figure out, okay, how does your life look? now that you've dealt with these losses. Oh, okay, so that's so, Give separate. me one second, I wanna grab a different, I need to grab a piece of paper real quick. Okay. Because William Warden is uh, somebody who does um, a grief work and his website is called whatsyourgrief.com. Whatsyourgrief.com, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and Warden, which is really the, the model that I'm moving more toward right now, uh -huh. uh, says that there are four tasks of mourning, four tasks mm -hmm. of grieving. The okay. first one is to accept the reality of the loss. Okay. Um, then the, the second one is to work through the pain of grief, which is what we do, what you and I did. The third one is to adjust to an environment where that relationship or that person is not there. Ugh. Okay. Especially yeah. if we're talking about a death or a divorce, which yeah. is really a different kind of death. Right. To go, okay, so now that person's not here. Now what do I do? And then the last one really is to um, find an enduring connection to be able and still be able to embark on a new life. So All of those things. Part, yeah. Sounds so freaking hard. Yeah. Especially for people who have lost loved ones, you know. Yes. 
Yes. And especially or, people like who have lost children. Like I have a couple of people on here, dear friends who, dear family members who have lost children. And, yeah. you know, just that process of all of those steps that are so necessary for mm-hmm. healing and grief. Mm-hmm. And at the same time are, you know, stages that I don't even know how you get through. So the other interesting thing about that is, um, is that people will often um, try and have family members or friends do that with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not the best choice. You huh. know? And I'm not saying that because this is what I do for a living, but um, because family and friends don't want to see you hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not objective third parties who can look at you and ask some really hard questions. Cause you know, that's my favorite thing to do is ask hard yes, questions. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and to call you on your bullshit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's why, you know, I'm known as the no bullshit coach. And so <laughs> there's a reason for that. There is a reason for that. Um, but, but friends and family may not be able to do that. The other part is that friends and family will try and tell you, oh, well, that's not the way that that really happened. Uh-huh. Or you shouldn't feel that way, you know? Yeah. And, and um, so uh, an, an objective third party who's an ally for you yeah. can go, okay, I get it. That's how you feel. Yeah. You know? And you're allowed to have feelings because we are allowed to have feelings. It's what we do with them that, that, um, that matter. You know, yeah. feelings of feeling. And I would suppose that family and friends are grieving along with you. Yes. You yes. know, a loss of any of those things. Like yeah. they are your inner circle and they are grieving along yeah. with you, whether yeah. it's a divorce or a death or a, mm-hmm. you know, a change in this whole, you know, family dynamic, which is what sure. happened with me. Sure. I could have never gone through that with my siblings because they are all having they have their own relationship with yes. my dad and they're Absolutely. all have their own. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ish to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also have um, frequently will have clients come in that will say, I'm so busy taking care of everybody else uh, that I need to be able to express my own grief and work through my own grief. Yeah. So we have this nice quiet office over here where people can come in and just sit on a cozy couch and go, yeah but you also work with people in kansas online yeah i do work with people like in Emporia, kansas (laughs) which is how yeah so just because they're not where located where you are doesn't mean that you can't work with them and i have different programs that i use with different people as well so Mm -hmm. um, i'm able really to tailor things to what um, a person needs yeah you know, and it's usually a minimum of seven weeks, um, including the intake, because we really have to discover what all's going on. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have some different books that I use with people and things like that, too. So, yes. Yeah. And sometimes people just need to be able to talk. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And put their thoughts. And again, like you said, have a third third, third party person say, something you know different or ask a question or Mm -hmm. yeah or just walk with you because I think that that was really because I'm a coach too you know and And this was just yeah and I get it but this was something that I could not do on my own and no one else could help me right right yeah like except somebody who didn't know you exactly yeah yeah Yeah. 
Yeah. No matter how much I tried or Uh I just, I didn't even know where to start. Right. And one didn't even really know I was grieving. I didn't put it in that. I didn't put it a label or into that context of like, you are grieving. Yes. This loss of this big relationship. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't have words for that. So yeah. And it, there were so many layers for you with your dad oh, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I often tell people sometimes the thing is not the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, because people will often come in with a different, um, a different scenario in their head. And then you begin to go, oh, but it still keeps coming back to this. Yeah. And I'll give you a personal example. When I went for my certification training, I really thought that I was going to go in and work on uh, my dad's death because I hadn't taken the time at that point to process my father's death. Um, And I have a very tenuous, had a very tenuous and strange relationship with my mother. It's gotten a lot better since I did the grief work, amazingly enough. Um, But my trainer looked at me and she said, oh no, you're going to work on the the estrangement that you have in the relationship with your mother. And I was like, oh... (laughs) (laughs) Because everything that I was unhappy about, all of the things that were going wrong in Mm -hmm. my life, because everything was going wrong is what I thought, um, all came back to not feeling um, safe with my mother. That's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. And so sometimes we don't know exactly what's going on and which relationship we need to work on. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then hard. after, and then afterwards it is um, a matter of figuring out, um, okay, so how do I have this relationship now? Oh, now yeah. that I've given voice to all of the hurt and all of the crap and everything else now, how do I have this relationship? And for me it was, okay, I am not so tied emotionally to not getting what I want from her that I was then able to go, okay, that's who she is. Mm-hmm. It's not a reflection of me as a person because that happens a lot too. Right. Uh, and so then it's a matter of, okay, so who do I want to be right now instead of still trying to please my mother? Cause codependency shows up a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to help people then begin to recognize, um, how they treat themselves. I'm a huge believer in self-compassion. So I do a lot of self-compassion work um, based on Kristen Neff's work with understanding that if there are, uh, that we need to be able to comfort ourselves the same way we do really good friends, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. So I know that you talked about, you came out of the corporate world, but like, really when you started this whole, cause you, you, you do a lot of work. Like I call this heart centered work. Yeah. Light would work. you, uh-huh. would you agree? Yeah. Okay. Light work. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, was it, it, do you feel like it's your soul's purpose? Yes, absolutely. I might've gotten a little excited about that <laughs> because yes. even when I was in the corporate world, my office as a senior manager, my office was the place that people came into to, um, I never will forget. I had one friend, um, who would come in my office, close the blinds to my office and sit and weep. 
um, as I, you know, we walked together through the death of his grandmother and his mother. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of who I've always been. And people will go, oh my God, that sounds so hard. And I'm like, nope, I like being knee to knee with messy people or people that are having a really hard time. Yeah. It's very deep, intimate work for sure. Yeah. 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 And was there, and you might've said this earlier, was there something specific that was like, I want to work with people in grief? No, it wasn't. No. I don't know that it was specific. There was this knowing, you know, that knowing that we get. I, I love that word because it's a knowing. Yeah. That just sort of, when I started doing abuse work with people um, through the church, then I was beginning to see it. And there was one particular day when the grief light came on. I was working with an organization that provides support to women Whose, lo whose lives have been impacted by incarceration, either their own or that of a loved one. And I was one of the spiritual directors on that weekend. And I sat with a woman who had come to me during one of the breaks and she said, my boyfriend doesn't understand why I'm always crying since my son went to prison. Wow. And it was one of those moments that you know, that you know, that you know. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at her and said, you're grieving. Uh, and her eyes like flew open. Man, and that she gets said, me right here. She said, you're right. I never thought about it. I thought grieving was only with death. Yes. And I said, no, it's the loss of the dreams that you had mm. when you first held that baby. You know, all of the tears that you've cried, hoping he would turn his life around. Mm -hmm. And then the grief of the fact that he's in prison now. So there's losses all along the way. And that was when I knew. Yeah. That was when I knew that it was grief, but I didn't know about the certification or any of that. Cause I was sort of organically doing that with clients all along. Uh huh. Uh, and then I found out that there was a program that would certify me to do it. Nice. Well, I find yeah. it, um, the work that you do so, amazing one and so like when i started doing these conversations like i want to talk to people heart-centered conversations people who have these businesses that are like this is my heart like you immediately came up because the work that i did with you was so so personal for me and i don't you know i i don't know that i've shared so much with any of my inner circle of the work that i did but it was mm really intense and you know i'm a stuffer and really? i am i am <laughs> and i hold things together mm -hmm. and i don't you know i i am i am the one i am the coach i am the one you know come to me i'll help you and so right you know dealing working through this was so big for me because mm -hmm. it was like it had me on my knees and so it was yeah such a profound deep work that we did that I was like sure. I need Gina I need I need Gina to talk about grief because yeah. it is such important work that you do and sure. I feel like so many people are are dealing with grief and they don't know how to move forward or don't know sure. what the next step is or don't know who can hold space for them or where they're safe or 
it's really, there's a couple of things that's interesting about you saying that. First of all, I, um, <laughs> I think I understand the value of having a third party mm -hmm. um, to do that because I'm the one who always, um, I'm like you, people come to me. We're, we're like so sisters. Um, people come to me and it's like, okay, I'm taking care of everybody else. And uh -huh. um, I need at least one person that I can just go to and not have to be anything uh -huh. except me. Um, and, and sometimes I can do that with friends and sometimes I can't. I think the other thing right now is that we are collectively grieving. Oh, yes. You know, um, I've done a couple of lives talking about uh, grieving the loss of freedom as we've been in lockdown mode mm -hmm. and, and we have to think twice about doing things like going to the store and Froyo is almost out of the question right now because right. you got to do all of that. Um, uh, I do a lot, a lot of work with people who are doing spiritual deconstruction and the grief that is in spiritual deconstruction. Define spiritual deconstruction since you've taken us here. Cause okay. Um, <laughs> I know you hate this topic. Because I'm like, oh, really? yeah. yes. tell me. <laughs> so spiritual deconstruction comes when you lose the certainty that you've always had and you realize that perhaps you don't believe what you've been told all your life. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks right now are seeing that the church is not speaking up about matters related to um, loving each other mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of being open and affirming, in terms of racial uh, justice, in terms of socioeconomic uh, justice, um, gender equality, none of those. And yeah. so people are saying, but wait, that's not what God says. That's not what the Bible tells me. And I don't know where you're reading this uh, in the Bible. And so when I talk about spiritual deconstruction, I think the first step is um, the loss of certainty. Hmm. It is the loss of sitting there every Sunday going, yep, I'm right, we're right, and everybody else is wrong. When you start hearing that little voice that says, oh, but maybe that's not the truth. Right. And what happens though, as you begin to question, is that um, <laughs> your community or those people around you get really uncomfortable, <laughs> really uncomfortable because yeah. they're like, I'm worried about your salvation. Yes. I'm worried you're going to go to hell. <laughs> and so they do one of two things either they double down on making sure that they bring you back into the fold and you repent and everything else, or they just ghost. Yeah. And they may ghost for any one of a million reasons. They're feeling the same way. They don't know what to do with it. You know, when we start getting healthy, other people sometimes get like really freaked out about yeah. our healthiness. Yeah. Uh, and so you begin to lose community. Um, you begin to lose your sense of identity because mm. when you're walking in lockstep with a community you know who you are you know how you act you know what to believe you know who your common enemy is you yeah. know all of those things yes and then for some people um they may walk away from they well, one of the things that happens too is you begin to wonder well if that's wrong maybe everything is wrong and maybe there is no god now, some people will come back into faith 
Mm-hmm. Some people will come in back into a different kind of faith and some people will walk away altogether. Yeah. But what people need, there's so much grief there because the old life as you knew it is no more. Right. You know, um, I see this a lot with my LGBTQ friends mm-hmm. um, because the community that once embraced them now shuns them and tells them that they're horrible people. Right. Uh, and so um, I do a lot of work with, um, with my queer friends um, because there is such a need to understand that God loves you, yeah. that the Bible was never meant to be weaponized against people, and that there is a need for inclusion as opposed to exclusion. Yeah. So um, I think that that, you know, uh, even as a pastor who has a master's of divinity, um, I, I really think a lot of that is my life's work as well, is to remind people of divine grace and the fact that all are welcome, yeah. as opposed to, we get to decide who's in and who's out this week. Yeah. And we don't like the color of your shirt, and we don't like who you love, and so therefore you're not going to get a chance to be here. So um, that's really huge for me, is yeah. making sure that people are invited in. And equally important work. Like, again, it just kind of shows you this huge bubble that grief is, you know? Yeah, but, right? But you're right. Like, change. And the only inevitable is change. Right. Like, the only thing is that's a constant in our uh-huh. lives is change. Is change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have to yeah. learn how to navigate those waters. And some are easier to do than others. I'm not here to say that every change is grief. But yeah. some of them affect us differently. And mm-hmm. some of this, um, yeah, yeah. So we need to be able to have those spaces to fall down. Yeah. Those spaces to be on your knees and then be like, I need help. I, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. on your face. Sometimes yeah. we've been on our face too, <laughs> going, I got nothing here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's critical to be able to do that. Yeah, and I know that you, you know, you said earlier that you're a, you're a no bullshitter, uh-huh, and I wanted me. to uh-huh. kind of just let people know, like, totally true. I remember when I was working on um, then the next relationship, which you had me do with my ex, uh-huh. and as I was, like, reading all the stuff that I wrote, I specifically remember you going, hmm, uh, yeah, uh, that was not... <laughs> That really didn't that have any, yeah. I don't even remember the exact words, but I was like, Yeah, what do you mean? Like, no, you know, I'm telling you the truth. I'm like, you're I'm like, really I think sure you, you need to do that again. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I do remember. Yes, <laughs> you remember? I do remember. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You and, know, the, the other interesting part of that, though, too, is that sometimes I don't remember if that was the case with you. Sometimes we take way more blame for shit that is not ours. That's what it was. That's what it was. I was wondering if that was And it was, um, well, I was the one who, you know, got the divorce. I remember. Yeah. Yes. And you were like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You need to to do that again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And only take responsibility for what's yours. Yeah. You know, which the flip side of that is everybody else can't be wrong. Okay, so you have to be able to take responsibility for what's yours, but only what's yours. Right. 
you know, not everybody else's ish. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you did good work though. You did. You <laughs> did. You were committed and you dug uh, deep and you did a lot of deep work. It was Yeah. Hard. And you've come out of the other side. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have a real, I have a different relationship. Okay. With my dad, you know, like I have a different relationship with him and uh -huh. it's, I don't, um, it's just different. Like it's, it's, I don't cry anymore about it. I cry cause I miss him, but it's not, uh -huh. it is not anywhere. What, what, what it was like when I came to you. The pain. Okay. Yeah. The pain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The pain. The pain that's was, so important. Yeah. The, and, and it's like you said, like, um, you know, I still get sad. I still uh -huh. miss the relationship. I still, you know, wish that things were different, but this, the pain is not like at a 10 anymore. Right. Yeah. You're not doubled where, over. Yeah. I'm not doubled over. And, you know, I remember talking to my, my circle of friends, um, after I'd gone through the process and it was like, you know, they had no, I don't think they, my, maybe my closest friend had an idea, but I don't think to the depth of what I was feeling, uh -huh. that they have the idea that I, that I was struggling with this so terribly yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. It was hard. You were, you were really heartbroken. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. let them see that. I didn't, uh -huh. you know, they saw it because I couldn't stop crying, but not all the time. Right. To, to what I was. Right. Yeah. And they knew something was wrong, but they just weren't sure. Yeah. yeah. So for anybody out there who is dealing with this pain of grief, whether it's a change in a relationship or a loss in your life or whatever it is like, and you're wondering like, how do I, how do I start the process and move through this journey? Like mm -hmm. Gina is a great, um, can be a great ally for you, a great support to help get you start going through the process and is great at creating that safe space for you to do mm -hmm. that. And so, and that's really why I wanted you to be on because like, I just know so many people, like we said, like grief is so big and mm -hmm. it's something yeah. that if we don't take care of and not to say it goes away, but if you don't start working through the pain, then it will eat us alive. Yes, so, it will. Mm -hmm. We Absolutely. need to be able to find those places. And I don't think most people are like, Hmm, wh who can help me with grief? You know, they go to their pastors yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not 100% like, you know, saying the scripture is going to heal your pain. Like right. I really feel like there's a big process that we have to jump into and dive into Absolutely. I'm not saying that those things don't help. Um, but yeah. And I could be at a totally different, you know, path that somebody else is if they've chosen that path. I don't think that that's right. wrong at all. So. Right. But you know, it's really interesting because even people who are of deep faith will come in and, and talk about being angry with God mm -hmm. and not understanding what's happening. And they will look around my office and go, is it okay for me to say that here? I'm like, yep, this is your safe space. I, I, I'm always striving to make sure that it is safe and confidential yeah. for people so that those questions that come up can just be put on the table yeah. and we can talk about how that shows up. So. There is a question for you. Oh, okay. 
So Heather says, how does the other parent learn to be strong for their child when his dad died on his birthday? Oh, okay. Okay. So it's interesting saying be strong for their child because I'm not a big fan of being strong for children, you know, and not crying and, and all of those things. I think that it is appropriate for parents to let the child know that they're sad. Okay. Um, I think that there are, in fact, I know that there are ways to include the parent who died in the celebrations, mm -hmm. like, you know, having a chair or saying, this is what daddy um, would have liked, mm -hmm. uh, those kinds of things. And giving the child the option of, even though their, their birthday is one day, to maybe celebrate on a different day. Um, so there's a number of ways to do it, but parents and, and loved ones need to say, I'm sad too. Yeah. So what do we do when we're sad and we miss daddy or mommy? Yeah. Um, and maybe we have a, you know, depending on the age of the child, there's a special book or there's a picture or whatever, but being strong for children sends them the message that grieving is bad, that it's wrong to be sad. Uh, and that is not true. And it is shaming for kids and for adults to, to feel like, oh, I shouldn't be sad. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I know I often hear people like, it's been so many years and I'm still sad, you know, like, uh -huh. oh, I'm, I shouldn't be expressing this grief because it makes other people uncomfortable or, right. you know, what do you say to those things? No, I say you <laughs> grieve as long no. as you need to. Yeah. Um, and if it is interfering with your life, then, then it's time to see somebody to talk about it but you can hold a hole in your heart for as long as you need to mm -hmm. for that person. Yeah. You know, and so deep grief can mean that you loved deeply. You know, it's when it interferes with our daily life that it's important for us to seek somebody, but you grieve as long as you need to. And if you yeah. cry every time that anniversary comes around, then you have a good cry. You know, and allow yourself to be sad maybe for that day or for that moment and then pick yourself up and do whatever the next thing is. Yeah. You know, that, let's not think about it stretching out for eternity, but just looking at the next wise thing. Yeah. Good advice. Okay. So I've got my round, my lightning round questions for you. You didn't warn me about lightning round questions. I don't warn anyone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Be dangerous. Gina, what is non-negotiable <laughs> for you right now? Non-negotiable for me. Oh, I have a couple of them. Um, the big one right now is um, uh, it is non-negotiable for me to be quiet when people around the world mm -hmm. are suffering. I like that one. That's, that's a, that's a good non-negotiable. Non what are you most grateful for? Second and third and 50th chances. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, what is important for you in your heart centered journey? To know that I make a difference. Okay. And last question, mm -hmm. what are you reading right now? 
Um, right now I am reading <laughs> a couple of things. I'm reading <laughs> Pastrix by uh, Nadia Boltz Weber. Oh, yes. Read yeah, that yeah, one yeah. too. I'm reading Love that one. It. <laughs> Loved it. Um, I just finished Untamed. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I read so, that yeah, one we also. Reading, reading we do. List. We are soul yeah. sisters. <laughs> we are soul sisters. Yeah. I kind of need that when we were working together. Uh, and right now I'm also reading things related to um, pastoring progressive congregations, yes, doing church in a new way. Yeah. I like that. So yeah. I don't know. I don't think anybody, everybody heard, but you just took a position uh -huh, as a pastor okay. for um, a church here in Phoenix that is very progressive, open and affirming, racially diverse. Um, it is for me, the perfect spiritual community Yeah, because literally everybody's welcome. Yeah. And so and we'll I'm excited. Yeah. We'll put the link of your church because I know that you said that it does live streaming on Sundays. It does. We do live streaming. So on I will uh -huh. put the link on under this event okay. and then that also put your information. So sure. if somebody wants to work with you, they just reach out to you and then you guys sure. can schedule a consultation. You can go to uh, ginapollard.com okay. and you can either send me a message or you can actually schedule right on the website. Um, for a consultation. Okay. Either way. And Perfect. then I have a Facebook page. Uh, my business Facebook page is Grief and Loss Recovery with Gina. Okay. And I will add all of those things in a post and it'll be under this live video so that people can find you. Okay. Um, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. So I have so enjoyed it. It's so good to see you too. Yes. So good. Yay. So good. And I'm glad you're doing well. I am really good. I am I'm doing so well. So right, I will care. continue following you and seeing yes. all the amazing things that you're doing. And again, out there in Facebook world, if you are needing someone to hold space for you to work through grief, Gina is one of the best people. And she likes, I will give you my own testimony. Like it'll be good work you do. Thanks so much. Okay. Jennifer, good to see you. Take all care. Right. Namaste. Namaste. Bye. <laughs> Bye.